The church we see is a family. A community of people from all cultures and generations. A place anyone can call home. The church we see is a reflection of Jesus. Demonstrated in the way we live and the way we love. The church we see is the hope of the world. Where lives are restored, healed, transformed. The church we see is an army of ordinary people. Yet we are kingdom ambassadors. Seeing heaven invade earth. This is the church we see. 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 Well, thank you so much and great to be together. Will you join me in welcoming those who are joining us from Kingsgate Leicester today and Kingsgate Cambridge and all of those who are watching uh, on Kingsgate online too. Well, um, we're looking at this whole series on the church we see. I don't know if you've got a good memory. Uh, Back in September, we did a short vision series, kind of like vision and values, around the theme of Together on Purpose. And we looked at the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Well, today we're going to kind of build on that foundation and we're going to look at, I believe, one of the most amazing high-altitude perspectives of the church anywhere in the New Testament. It's in the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we're going to, as it were, ask the Holy Spirit to lift our gaze away from the, the confusion and the disruption of the last two years and get God's perspective, how does God see us as the people of God. And we look at five pictures. We're going to look at church as family, as the bride, as the body, as the temple, and as the army. But today I want to start by looking at the, if you like, the core of who we are as the people of God. Do you know, we are first and foremost a family. Why? Because God is first and foremost a father. In fact, right now, why don't we just thank God that he is our father and we are his family. Father, we thank you for the privilege right from the outset of who you've called us to be. Now, talking of family, I count myself blessed to be part of um, a great natural family. Last summer, we celebrated my mum and dad's 60th wedding anniversary. How many think that's a great achievement? And so, because we're kind of like a multicultural family and we come from different parts of the world, we have people traveling from Switzerland, from Ghana, Uh, from St. Albans, from Lincolnshire, and of course from Peterborough, gathering together, and Cambridge too, all gathering together to celebrate that great event. Um, You'll notice there that we are, or we were then, three generations. Do you notice somebody who's missing? Toby. So now we are a four-generational family. And I I delight in that, and I'm pleased about that. We're not a perfect family. Uh, No such thing exists on planet Earth. But we do love one another and we get along well together. And I say that because I know already we have in Kingsgate many great families, including some multi-generational families. And part of mine and Karen and us as a team, our heart is that more and more Kingsgate will be a place where families can come and flourish and be healthy and whole, not just for one generation, but for many generations to come. Amen? That's what we're believing for. But as much as natural family is so key, I'm actually in many ways even more thrilled to be part of a great spiritual family. The the reason is because not everybody here and not everybody in life, of course, is part of a great family. In fact, some of you here today, you may not have a family at all, or you may have come from a broken family, 
Or right now, you may be struggling with family tension. In fact, even the word family causes a little bit of pain. Or it may be that you are struggling and suffering still and mourning the loss of a close family member. That's why I believe it's important that we don't just celebrate natural family. We realize there's something even more important, which is we can be part of God's spiritual family. And wherever we're at, whatever our family background, we all belong and are included in God's great, eternal, worldwide family, the church. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren put it this way, your spiritual family is even more important than your physical family because it will last forever. Our families on earth are wonderful gifts from God, but they are temporary and fragile, often broken by divorce, distance, growing old, and inevitably death. On the other hand, our spiritual family, our relationship to other believers will continue throughout eternity. That's a powerful quote. Hence, I believe our spiritual family is both a timeless need, but how do you agree that right now, after two years of the pandemic, relationships, community, family is something more important than ever and something we need to contend for more than ever? And I want to say, if any of you are here or watching today and you're not part of God's family, you're not yet a Christian, or Maybe you're somebody who's only recently just checking out Kingsgate. Or maybe you're somebody who's drifted away. Uh, Our prayer and heart is that you will, as it were, draw closer, not just to God, but to his family, and that you'll find a home in this spiritual family. So I want to look at two aspects of um, what it means for us to be family. There's a key text in Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2, and it says this, Therefore... Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And I want you to notice there the centrality of love. Firstly, it talks about us being the beloved and then it's a call for us to become sacrificially loving. So firstly, I want us to look at who we are Our identity, we are, can we say this together, wherever we are, we are a dearly beloved family. We are a dearly beloved family. Often when we have our family gatherings, um, you know, including like the 60th wedding anniversary, my dad often does a speech. Now, I don't even know about my dad, but he was an Anglican vicar. He was also a bishop in the Church of England. And so he's kind of used to doing speeches. He does them really well. And they are, sometimes they sound a bit formal, but they're actually very heartfelt. And so he'll often address us with these words. He says, now, dearly beloved, (laughs) in a very kind of posh voice, now, dearly beloved. But he's not just saying it as a formal statement. I know to my dad and to my mum, every single one of us are dearly beloved. He loves, they love their kids. They love their grandkids. They love their grandkids grandchild. They love us. And just as my dad addresses us as the dearly beloved, how much more does God the Father want to address you and I as the dearly beloved? And the good news is, you see, we've all got imperfect fathers, um, if we've got fathers right now, Uh, but we are loved by a perfect heavenly father 
And I don't know what you think God thinks about you or what he thinks about us, but according to Ephesians, the first and the primary thing, and the first and the primary emotion, if you like, in God's heart is he loves you. He loves us with an everlasting love. I mean, listen to the beginning of Ephesians chapter one. I love this from the message translation. It says, long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Wow. You see, I know that there'll be, and as I was praying about this, I sent some people here and some people who are going to be joining us today for this service. And deep down, you're not really, really sure <laughs> if you are truly loved. And even naturally speaking, you may not ever have felt like you were wanted. Can I tell you, as far as God the Father is concerned, you are eternally loved and you are dearly wanted. He planned for you to be his child and to be his, in his family for all eternity. And my prayer is that, as it were, the word of God will cut you free from anything that will hold you back. Rejection, a sense of an orphan spirit, and that you will just come into the fullness and the, the freedom and the, the life that comes from knowing that you are not only loved as a son or a daughter of God, you are part of his eternal family. And, and if you look at this incredible, incredible verse, or these verses, notice that it finishes there. Uh, it, the phrase is, he did this by the hand of his beloved son. And I haven't got time here. I could spend the next, <laughs> the next many, many minutes just on this one verse. But just, just to cut to the chase, here it's talking about here, the fact that we are loved as a result of the overflow of the love from the Father to the Son and the Son to the Father. Yeah, I, I don't know if you ever think about what was God doing in eternity. God was not on his own. God was a three-in-one God. There was an eternal love going on between the Father to the Son and the Son to the Father by the Spirit. If you read in John 17, uh, Jesus prays <laughs> that, um, that the love that the Father had for the Son, we might have that kind of love. Do you see how awesome this is? We get included in the eternal love relationship between the Father and the Son. Do you know why we're here today? Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit didn't want to keep that love to themselves. They want it to overflow. And so before the creation of the world, before you were ever born, before your parents ever thought about you, if they did think about you, <laughs> God planned for you to receive his love through the Son by the Holy Spirit and be part of a family that's worldwide, that's universal, and that's going to go on living forever and ever and ever, ultimately in perfection in the new heavens on the new earth. How good is that? Isn't that amazing? This is the foundation of everything. And, and if you want to know how much God wanted you, if we read on in Ephesians chapter 1, it says he paid the ultimate price for us. So wanted were we by God that the Father gave the Son to us on the cross that we might be redeemed by his blood. And if you read on into Ephesians chapter 2, don't worry, I'm not going to preach through the whole book of Ephesians today, and although that would be quite fun, wouldn't it? Some of you are not looking so sure. You can see some 
frowns from Kingsgate, Cambridge. Just joking. He continues in chapter two. Even then we, we were away from God. You see, God had to do something to bring us into his family. And even though we were away from it, it says, but because of his great love for us, God raised us up. He saved us. He placed us in Christ. And now, as a family member, get a hold of this. You get all the privileges of being in the, in, in the family. You get the divine name. You get the family likeness. You get access to the Father. You even get the family inheritance. And can I tell you, it is huge. We are blessed eternally by God the Father through God the Son. But you know, I don't know about you, but it's one thing to know this intellectually, but it's another to know this experientially. Some of you are going to kind of, if you listen back to this message or you ponder on it, it'll probably hit you about so 10 o'clock tonight when you're in the bath and you'll go, I got it! <laughs> because it changes everything. You see, I've been a Christian now for many decades and yet still today I have an ever-increasing revelation of how loved I am by God and how amazing it is to be in the family of God. And that's something I think that we need not just on a weekly basis, even on a daily basis. How many know knowing the love of God changes everything? I said, knowing the love of God changes everything. It's transforming lives by the power of God's love. It, it, there's nothing like the love of God that changes. That's why I want at the heart of these next three days, where we're going to be praying all across our campuses, in person, online. I want us to be praying at the core of our prayer, Paul's prayer in chapter three uh, of Ephesians. You see, he, he gives us his revelation, then he prays that we might get it. He prays that the Spirit might come upon us afresh. He prays that we might know Christ actually living in us in an experiential, tangible way. And then he prays that we being, listen to this, rooted, what's his concern? That we might be rooted and established in, in love. That's his concern. And that we may have power together, say together, together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God, because guess what? When we know the love of God, we're going to be filled with the presence of God, because God is agape, God is love. So can we join together? Let's pray this. How many, could, how many in faith that um, as we pray together, God's going to pour out his spirit, a fresh revelation, a fresh power, that we might see a revolution and an overflow of the love of God all across Kingsgate. Can I have an amen, please? Let's pray for that. Let's contend. We're going to pray for lots of other things, but at the core of it, we're going to be praying this scripture. But notice there the little phrase, how are we going to grasp this? Together with all the Lord's people. Can I just say, I don't care what people are saying up there, I want to tell you, God never designed for you as a child of God, just to have your personal relationship with God and be disconnected from, from the spiritual family. God didn't just choose you as an individual. He chose you to be part of a family. Amen. And that's what we're going to enjoy for eternity. So we better get on and enjoy it right now. We are not called in isolation. We're called to be in community as the family of God. So that's the first thing. Let's grow in knowing who we are, our identity as a dearly beloved family. We mustn't stop there. We must press on to who we're to become. That's our destiny. Can we say this together? We're called to be a sacrificially loving family. A sacrificially loving family. Back to our key verse. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. So we're beloved, but now we need to walk in love. What's our example? 
as, this is strong, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to, to God. In other words, the cross isn't just the way that we get beloved. The cross is our standard of how we're to love others. Challenging? Hence, if we're looking for, you know, we could do all kinds of plans and strategies. I believe the most important call for us as Kingsgate, came, uh, Kingsgate uh, Peterborough, Cambridge, Leicester, London, online, wherever we're coming from in the future, is to become, like Jesus, like the Father, a sacrificially loving family. If we get that right, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, come on. If we get that right, everything else will, because that's the center. Love is at the very core. And so what I want to do is I want to briefly just apply this into Kingsgate. So that's kind of true for everyone everywhere. But I want to apply this into who we are as Kingsgate, particularly three aspects of Kingsgate. We're a multi-generational, we are a multi-racial, and we are a multi-site family. So firstly, I want to talk about how can we love, and let's love, our multi-generational family? Can I say that God's plan has always for us to have been a multi-generational family? I love the way Paul um, finishes Ephesians chapter 3. He says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God has always wanted to, to have a family that will go on generation after generation after Generation. And one of the great blessings, of course, for us here at Kingsgate is that we have a multi-generational family. So what does it look like then for us to love um, our multi-generational family? Well, first, I believe it means honoring the matriarchs and patriarchs, those who are a little bit older in our midst, of whom there are many. People like Ian and Monica in Kingsgate, Leicester. I mean, what a great couple they are. Um, or Graham and Jay in Cambridge. Or how about Mike and Sheila and Janie in Kingsgate, Peterborough? I mean, why don't we just put our hands together and give a big yay, yay, thank you for all that you've done and all you're still doing in laying your lives down. And let's keep applauding all our grand adults who just do so much to serve and love this family. We love you and we honour you. So we want to honour those who are older. But also, just like in a, how many of you, um, you know, you're, maybe you're a young couple and then the first child comes along. How many know things have to change a little bit? Is that right? There has to be what we would call an intentional investment towards the next generation. And so it's the same in the natural, it's the same in the spirit. As well as honoring those who are older, I believe we as the church need an intentional investment in the next generation. Um, as I, I love um, the new youth strap line, I'll see if I can uh, be as uh, exuberant as Phil, Phil Timpson. Kingsgate youth, the future, now! Was that good? Was that as a vibrant, was it vibrant enough? That's what to go into the youth ministry. I love that. Kingsgate youth, the future now. And, you know, as well as the great investment that as parents we need to put into our children, why don't we take a moment to honour all our amazing Kingsgate children's workers and youth workers, all those who are serving the next generation. We say thank you wherever you are. Bless you. God strengthen you and pour back into your lives as a result. And then what about those who are a little bit older? <laughs> 
You know, what about young families? Can I say, Karen and I started the church as a young family, and with all the challenges, we made a decision that, yes, we wanted to invest in our family, but we were going to continue to put God and his, his, his presence first, and we were going to continue to serve the house of God. Don't back off during your sort of uh, late 20s, 30s, 40s. Be on fire for God. Amen? Because I tell you what you're doing, you're not only securing something for your later years, you're modeling something for your kids. How many want your children and young people to love God and love the house of God? Guess who they're going to learn that from? Even more than the youth and the children's workers, they're going to learn it from you and they're going to learn it from me. So let's continue to love the house of God for the sake of the future generations. And then, you know, what about my kind of age? Notice I didn't include myself in the older yet. Technically, I'm a grand adult, would you believe it? I don't feel it, but anyway. Um, well, I honestly believe our de- best days are still yet to come. We've got, uh, hopefully, a lot of life wisdom and experience. But as well as staying on fire for what God's called us to, I believe a primary responsibility is to cheer on, to make space for, to help mentor and celebrate younger leaders who are coming through so that Kingsgate won't be a one-generational wonder, but we genuinely will see the blessing not only continue, but increase into future generations. Yeah, come on. And can I say, for those of you who are younger, young adults and students, maybe uh, part of the other uh, campuses too, you know, don't wait until you, uh, you know, get, get a bit uh, older to be on fire for God. Set the rest of your course now. Don't be intimidated by your youth or let other people. Do all that you can in serving the generation that God's called you to and play your part in the family of God. We need you and we love you and we celebrate you in Jesus' name. So let's love our multi-generational family. But secondly, let's love our multi-racial family. You know, God has always been into multi-racial family. In fact, if you look in heaven, it's gonna be a place where we've got every tribe and tongue and language and nation. And we'll see in later messages in Ephesians that really the, the core of the, the, the letter, in fact, the burden, why one of the reasons Paul's writing it is because he wants to bring together two previously separate groups of Jew and Gentile in a, in a wonderful unity and diversity. And you know, here we are in, in, in Kingsgate. One of the great blessings of our journey so far, and I believe one of the core values for our future, is that God has blessed us with people from nations right across the world. Isn't it amazing? I love what um, uh, Archbishop Tutu, or the late, great late Archbishop Tutu said. You know, he was instrumental, one of the key leaders, along with Mandela and others, in helping (coughs) South Africa (coughs) move away from the evil of apartheid. Do you know what apartheid means? It simply means a partners. The whole, the whole thing was set up to keep people apart. How evil is that? Well, Tutu and others were instrumental in helping to bring that crashing down. Isn't it amazing, Tutu says, that we are <clears throat> all made in God's image, and yet there is so much diversity among his people. Isn't that a great quote? You know, we're all made in God's image, and yet we're all different. Can I say, Kingsgate, if we're going to love our multiracial family, let's first celebrate the fact that we are different, but we are one. Amen. And we are loved by one heavenly Father. We are redeemed by the blood of one Lord Jesus Christ. 
we are filled with the presence of one Holy Spirit, called into one body, one family. Read Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says it seven times. One, one, one. Yes, we're different, but we're one. And we are called to one eternal hope. Guess what? We're going to be together in eternity, united and different, celebrating the Father. And God's going to look at us and say, I just love this. I love my multicultural, multiracial family. And I believe if we want to honor the heart of God, we need to celebrate that too. But secondly, we need to, as it, were, as it were, take a stand because in our world today, we know that one of the greatest evils on planet Earth is racism. And so if we are going to make Kingsgate even more welcoming and inclusive in every part of what we're doing, and we're on a journey with that, then I believe we need to stand against racism over and covert in any shape or any form so that people can genuinely come in and find a place where they're welcome, where they're safe, where they can use their gifts, talents and callings without any prejudice or any barrier. We have to contend for this in Jesus' name. Amen. And then thirdly, we all have our part to play. And then thirdly, I believe there's just a very practical thing. Let's build bridges with people who maybe don't look like us and maybe sound like us. Let's build genuine friendships, just like we want to build intergenerationally. Let's build together. Let's not have where we get on. It's natural to get to, to people who are more like you. But let's break down some of those barriers and let's reach out to people across different racial divides. And let's have no division in Jesus' mighty name. And let's celebrate and let's thank the uh, multiracial council who are advising us in this whole area, helping things move forward. And let's, let's honour them and Samson, one of our directors, leads it. In fact, why don't we put our hands together and thank them for all that they're doing to help us on that journey. And then thirdly, let's love our multi-site family. The church in Ephesus began with 12 converts had a massive impact on the great city of Ephesus. And then if you read Acts 19, you'll see how it spread literally across a region which was massive, a whole chunk of what's uh, uh, um, Western Turkey, just from one city and 12 people. Well, many of you know our story. <clears throat> we started here um, in Peterborough with nine people uh, 33 years ago in a dilapidated two-bedroomed uh, terraced house. Uh, that's a slightly more updated picture because um, the windows have been done up since we, since we started there. But anyway, um, and, and we, we had a word from God as we came here, think big or you'll limit me. And so while the church was small, and in fact, while at a time when the church actually uh, shrunk from 15 down to six, we had a word, think big or you'll limit me. And the, by the grace of God, God started pouring out blessing and people started coming. And, you know, Kingsgate Peterman now has people coming from as far north as Boston. Anyone from Boston, we welcome you. Or as far east as Wisbeach and March or as far west as we've got people coming in now from Corby and Kettering and Oakham and as far south as Huntingdon. In fact, why don't we just welcome everybody from who's part of Kingsgate Peterborough in the region. And, and as you know, the fact that we are, I'm preaching here and some of us are worshipping in this Kingsgate building is just testimony to the sacrificial love of a core of only a few hundred people who, before we even needed it, decided in faith that we were going to pray and we were going to give and we were going to invest. And we ended up buying this 12 and a half acre site and built this building that's become such a blessing, not just to us here, but to many people far 
and beyond. And then, of course, in 2010, uh, we, we had a word that we were to extend beyond this region, and we started Kingsgate Cambridge. Again, let's say hi to Kingsgate Cambridge. Great that you're joining us today. And then uh, we just want to honor Simon and Zia for their incredible leadership there uh, in 10 years. And now Chris Sharman and the team down there. Kingsgate Cambridge is now a healthy, established, secure church with a calling to reach thousands in the unis, the city, and the region. The best is yet to come for Kingsgate, Cambridge. And then, of course, from this, as it were, A14, A1 base, we were able to um, extend and launch Kingsgate, Leicester. And now um, they're gathering, and we're so glad you're gathering in this amazing new city center location that I know is, was just such a, a cause for prayer over many years. Well, you're in that, that great new venue, and I know with, again, a great calling to reach the unis, the city, and the region. And then, of course, we welcome everybody who's part of Kingsgate Online. You know, one of the, the benefits, if you like, of what was, has been in many ways an awful season for so many people, one of the good, if you like, one of the good things that came out of the pandemic was we were able to start streaming services. We've still got many people who are being blessed by that. But our Kingsgate Online campus isn't just that people might watch a service, it's that people who are further afield, people who are um, part of Kingsgate London, people in France, people in Scotland, people who can't right now access one of our Kingsgate locations can genuinely start being part of us. And our hope is that as the Spirit's poured out on individuals and groups, that future hubs can be established and we can see the expansion of what God's called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to love and we want to just honour our multi-site family. So the question is, what's next? Well, can I say, after two years of the pandemic, I think there's a natural process of recovery and restoration. We need, as it were, to shake off any vestiges of the last two. Get healed up if we need to be. Get free from disappointment. Get freed from fear. And I believe the Lord's saying to us, it's time for us to think big again. It's time for us to look forward to the future of what he has for you individually, but also for us collectively as a, as a family, to start growing across all our ministries and campuses again. And one of the key parts of what we sense for the next season is just like in Peterborough, before we even needed the building, we want to start standing together. We want to start praying and planning and giving towards helping Kingsgate Cambridge own their own family home. We want to start giving and investing to see, yeah, come on, I, I, some land and, or straight into a building in Kingsgate, Cambridge. We know, just like it was here, it's going to take a miracle. It's a step of faith, but we, that's what we want to set out for. And at the same time, we also want to start paying off the mortgage on our Peterborough uh, building quickly. We want to pay it off early. It's due in October, I think, of 2026. How many agree with me? We want to pay that off a lot, lot earlier. We want to clear the debt so that we can invest more into people ministry and we can do great things and like invest into the future of Kingsgate, Cambridge. And you know, we're going to have a special offering again in March the 13th and want more details to come. But let me just say, Kingsgate, we've had a wonderful 33-year journey. We've known the favor of God in the good times and we've also known his protection and his prevailing grace in the challenging times. And I believe God is calling us to think big again, to grow in our knowledge of his love for us and overflow in sacrificial love to one another, knowing that we're investing, 
that we're sowing, we're serving, we're praying together, we're building together, not just for future generations, but for multitudes who don't yet know Jesus Christ. In other words, God has called us to invest together for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So we're going to respond now together. And those of you online, um, we want you to stay with us. And so why don't we all stand together as we get ready to respond to the Word of God today. And we're going to take communion, if you just want to get ready for that in a moment. But what we want to do is we want to sing a great song of blessing. It's based on Numbers uh, chapter 6. And... It's a wonderful song about blessing and favor and about God coming on and blessing the next generations. Before we do, why don't we just lift up our hands. Father, I want to thank you for your great love for us. I thank you, Lord, that wherever we are right now, wherever we describe ourselves in relation to your family, I thank you, Lord, that you want to draw us closer in. I thank you, Lord, it's for our good and it's for your glory. And Lord, I do want to pray in advance of us taking communion. For any who are not really sure that God really loves them, I pray, Lord, that you'll remind them of the price that you paid. You gave your only son. That we may no longer be orphans or outsiders or excluded. You've called us to be sons and daughters. You've called us to be fully in, fully in at home, in your house. And I pray, Lord, that through this message and through this time and over these next three days and over these next few weeks as we look at this whole thing, I pray, Lord, that that truth, because it's true, might become a reality. So even now, Lord, as we Lift up our hands together, Lord. We, we want to speak favor and blessing over one another in Jesus' name. So we're going to sing this together and then we're going to take communion.